This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the final summer bonus episode. I'm really excited to be launching my new podcast. I gave a little update on... Um, just where everything is going, both for this podcast and my business. And last week's episode, I'm going to give another update um, in just a moment. So if you listen to last week's episode and you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to it again, feel free to fast forward over the next, I don't know, minute or two. Um, so just a brief update. So this is the last, like I said, of these interviews. Um, and then I am going to share my birth story where I will talk a little bit about just what happened um, when I gave birth and then the weeks after I'm actually recording this after having the baby. So, so before Amy's episode last week, all of those other episodes, I recorded those intros before I went on maternity leave or even before, you know, before I had the baby. Um, so I'm going to give a little update there. Um, just cause I know sometimes people are curious. Sometimes people like listening to those kinds of stories. If it's too triggering for you, cause I know it can be triggering for this community, like feel free to ignore it. Um, you're not going to offend me or, you know, it doesn't mean anything about you. It just means you're taking care of your mental health, um, which is a good thing. So I'm going to share that. And then, um, and then I think there might be an episode in between where I kind of like launch into the new podcast, which I'll call Run Your Money. And then in September, I will launch the new show. Um, so as I'm getting everything prepared, I would actually love some feedback. So if you have a strong preference between one longer episode a week versus two shorter episodes, I'd be so curious to hear. Um, I'm curious to hear your opinion on solo, like me just talking versus interviews. I was going to do a little bit of a mix, but you know, we'll see where the, you know, the wind takes me. Um, and one thing that I do want to share, and I'm going to talk about it, um, later on, probably when that podcast starts, or maybe that in between episode, um, is I probably will have some advertisers on that show. I've thought a lot about it. Um, 
you know, because I don't want to have one of those podcasts where it's like every five minutes there's like another ad for something else. <laughs> Not interested in that. Um, but, you know, it does cost money to have a podcast and this will help cover that. And it just takes a lot less pressure off of me in terms of like other parts of the business. If I have, you know, revenue streams coming in from different, um, you know, different places. And even though sometimes I get annoyed personally by listening to podcasts with, you know, with ads, I also have to think, well, if they didn't have this income source, they wouldn't be able to have the podcast at all. And then I'd be missing out. Um, so, you know, that's how I always think about it. Um, I might at some point have a free version or not a free version, but an ad free version, um, you know, for a small monthly fee. I, that's like way off in the future, just depending on where things go. But I just want everyone to have a heads up because I've never had ads on this podcast before, you know, of course, for, you know, talking about my own offers, which I will continue to do that. Um, but I will probably have, or not probably, but will definitely have some outside advertisers as, as well. Um, so that is going to be happening. And, um, and yeah, I'm really excited about the new podcast. I'm going to, it's going to be, you know, very similar to my style. I'm very teachy. I like to teach things. I like to take complex things and put them in layman's terms so that you can understand. Um, and even though I know a lot about money and finances, I certainly don't know everything. And so I plan to have some experts on who can talk me through some, not like me personally, but like talk us through some, you know, topics that I'm not an expert in, you know, like, you know, taxes, for example, that's going to be more of a CPA's job as opposed to what I do. Um, negotiating, that's going to be more of like a career or an interview coach, which is, you know, I, I can say some things, but I'm not certainly an expert in that area. So I will have some, you know, I think interviews, you know, in, in places like that. Um, so yeah, that's really what's going to be happening in terms of what I'm going to be offering. I'm going to have a calculator slash goal sheet that will help you figure out, you know, calculate like, you know, how fast can I pay off this debt or should I pay this debt off faster or slower? And then how could that affect, you know, putting money into this investment or saving this amount of money? So it's kind of like a little calculator where you can play around with some numbers and help you figure out how to, you know, run your money and budget your money every month. Um, you, If you did the run your money workshop in the spring, you have a version of that but what we're working on and by we I mean mostly I'm telling my husband what to do because he's really good with um, Google Sheets and and um, whatever the Windows version of that is um, anyways so that's going to be available um, hopefully super soon which I'm super excited about um, and then I will have one-off sessions where you can book a session and we talk about one part of your money whether it's paying off a debt or figuring out an investment plan or saving or coming up with a budget. Um, or you can work with me for six weeks where we do basically everything and you walk away with your money blueprint. So you know exactly how much you have to spend every month on fun stuff, on not so fun stuff, on where you can cut spending so that you can maximize fun stuff so that you can also save and invest and you feel confident, all that kind of stuff. And we've also worked through um, you know, your relationship with money, healing, any old money wound stories, things like that. Um, so that's like the whole shebang. Um, and that will be available starting, um, let's see, we're in August now. So that'll be available starting in September. Um, and then I'm probably going to do an investing class because I get a lot of questions. And even though I answer a lot of them, especially like on social media, um, I think that uh, people just want 
you know, their specific questions to be answered and also have their hand held, which I totally understand. It can feel really scary to invest if it feels new or scary to you. So I'm probably going to be offering some sort of a workshop like I did in the, like I did in the spring with the run your money, but it's just going to be for investing. So keep an ear out for that. Um, as long as you're subscribed to this podcast, you are going to be subscribed to the new podcast. Um, but I also recommend signing up for my run your money newsletter so that you can, um, you know, hear about all of these things as they are released. Cause some things will obviously be time, time sensitive. I will probably do early bird and, you know, introductory kind of offers, which will be mostly available to folks on my newsletter list. Um, so just make sure you're there and you also will get, you know, notifications when I have a new blog post, a new, new podcast episode. There's also some other fun things tucked away in that newsletter as well. So you can sign up for that at veronicagrant.com forward slash newsletter. And so today I am releasing my last interview. So this is an interview I was on another friend's podcast. Her name is Dr. Karen. She is a psychologist um, and she works both with women who are single and then also um, who are married and or in relationships. And she's doing this podcast now with her brother, which is super cool. He is a, um, shoot, I don't know if he's a pastor or a minister. I don't know. I'm not Christian, so I can't remember like what's what. Anyway, so he does a lot of counseling, especially in premarital counseling, counseling for couples. And so he has a really interesting perspective. And look, I'm going to be honest, like this is definitely, um, I don't know how to say it, like a different tone than what you might be used to <laughs> um, from me on this podcast. But I think that if, you know, I talked you know, I've had Kira on the show and, you know, I've talked about money and dating, but this is really about like money and building a life together and having a life together. And so I share a lot of, you know, things that my husband and I have done in terms of our money so that we, while we do fight, we don't, we've never fought about money. Um, and then, um, Karen's brother also has a lot of interesting takes as well and some, some overlap for sure. Um, but it's always nice to get a different perspective. So I think you'll enjoy this episode, even if you are nowhere near a relationship or at least a committed relationship. Um, I think this episode will still just be supportive. It'll just give you some things to think about and look for and, um, able to set some goals. So like, this is what I want in a relationship moving forward when it comes to our money. Um, you know, and I think this would be especially important to listen to if you've ever been in a previous relationship where money was a sticking point or where you were kind of footing all the bills and you had someone that was just, you know, being a lump on the couch or, or whatever. Um, I think it's an important episode to listen to, um, so that you don't find yourself in a sticky situation financially in a relationship. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode. I will be back. I'm pretty sure next week with my birth story, then we'll have that in between episode where it'll be a nice little transition from the love life connection to my new podcast, which I'm going to call run your money. Um, and then we're going to start with the new show in early September, which again, I'm just so excited about. Um, and so if you have topics or questions for me when it comes to money, then let me know because I can either answer that in a Q&A episode or that can actually be, depending on the question, it could actually be an entire episode. Um, so you can send me a DM. I'm Veronica E. Grant on Instagram. Um, you can also send me an email, support at veronicagrant.com and uh, let me know. Will I be coaching people 
um, on the show like I did the Love Life Connection. As of now, I'm not planning to, but I'm not opposed to it. Um, so I don't know, not for right now, but maybe if there are people that would like to have some, cause it's more consulting that I'm doing. So it's a little different, you know, but, um, but maybe if you're interested, let me know and I'll think about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, so I'm super excited for listening to this episode with Karen and then, um, we're going to be moving this train to the next destination of run your money. And I'm super excited and I'm super excited that you're listening and hopefully coming with me. All right, without further ado, let's get to Karen's interview with me. I get asked a lot, do you think we should keep our money separate or combined? And I say, whatever works for you is what works for you. What's important is that you have a system that does not breed resentment and that is open and transparent and you talk about it. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril here with my co host, Pastor Elliot Anderson. And Love and Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy, and biblical truth to help us thrive in love and life. So Elliot, I remember in Professor Shea's marriage and family class in college, which you took a few years before I did, that he said that the number one reason that couples divorce is because of finances. And that totally surprised me. Now, I'm sure different studies will find different things, but from the studies I've seen, it's always in the top two, three, if not number one, as a study Professor Shea presented indicated. And that's the subject of today's conversation. We're going to talk about money in dating, in committed relationships, and absolutely in marriage as well. And I want to start by sharing an article from the journal Family Relations, Interdisciplinary Journal of Applied Family Science. The article is entitled, Examining the Relationship Between Financial Issues and Divorce. The researchers studied 4,574 couples and found that for both wives and husbands, financial disagreements were the strongest disagreement types to predict divorce. Therefore, the researchers concluded that Quote, these findings suggest that financial disagreements are stronger predictors of divorce relative to other common marital disagreements. Joining us today for the conversation is Veronica Grant. She actually appeared on Love and Life way back in episode 161, where she talked about dating with confidence at any size. Veronica was for many years a dating coach. And now because, as we've talked about, Money and finances are an integral part of our relationships and they have a huge impact. Veronica found that she was talking about money with her clients quite a bit and really enjoying the financial coaching that started to happen. So she's now moving in that direction. Here's a little bit more about Veronica. Veronica Grant is a certified financial consultant. Her goal is to help you get good with money from the inside out. So you run it rather than it run you. In addition to her certification, she received degrees from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill in international studies and social and economic justice and is excited to use her knowledge in personal finance, coaching and social and economic systems that keep many women from the wealth they deserve. Our interview with Veronica Grant right after this. Veronica, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Nice to have you back. You had in a former life a dating, coaching, 
career and you were obviously on brand with the love and life themes that we tackle here. And now you're moving into the financial realm and money coaching, finance coaching, which actually has a lot to do with relationships as well, doesn't it? Yeah, they're very similar. I do find that most people relate to the people they want to date and money in very similar ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we have yeah. relationship. We have a relationship with money, don't we? It's such a huge part of our lives. Yeah. And also both of those things, not that they should, but both of those things often have a huge part for how we perceive our own self-worth. I'm not saying that's good, but that's just the society that we live in. So that's why I think sometimes we can relate to them and have very similar relationships with both of them, even though logging into your Bumble account and your bank account feel like different things. They can certainly make you feel similar things. That's so true. And it's interesting because we did an episode recently with Emily Burnett, who is a finance coach as well. She focuses with singles in particular, and she talked about the shame and single shaming and then heaping shame upon yourself if you don't feel that you're where you should be with your finances. That's very much interrelated. Oh yeah, there's so much money shame. I was just writing out some content pieces that I'm going to make. And there's just, there's so much, especially around debt that just absolutely drives me crazy. You, you never know, really. I mean, you really don't know what a relationship is like behind doors, behind closed doors. And you really don't know what someone's bank account is actually. People can put up a real good facade. I like to say, Veronica, that the two things in relationships that are the most vulnerable are sex and money. Yeah, I agree with that. Because of potential for being shamed. Absolutely. Shamed and scared and feared and vulnerability and how you feel about yourself. Yeah. That identity piece you just talked about, Veronica, I think is huge. So we're going to talk about not only money in marriage, we certainly will. And I just remember from my psych courses in college that money is always one of the top leading reasons that people get divorced. And certainly infidelity and others, they probably neck and neck here and there. But Also talking about if you're dating, if you're in partnership right now, getting to know someone, let's be aware of the way that they handle their money, their spending habits, because it is a big predictor for divorce. Elliot, what do you see? I'm sure you have couples that come in. I'm wondering, do they come in right away with the finance questions or is that maybe underneath and the symptoms look different? Yes, for both. So In my premarital instruction, when the couples are preparing for marriage, there's one entire session about money, but there's lots of woven pieces of the money financial piece throughout. And that balance for each of them, sometimes if they're very young, they're basing it on their family system, not even their own yet. But even if they've been in life a little bit, been independent, had their own apartment, their own job, all that, the the aspect of spending and saving, the aspect of budgeting, not budgeting, the aspect of how generous are we or not generous the terminology they use, is it we or is it I? There's just so many variables. A recent couple that was in the premarital stage and had really a fantastic, I could really call it a fantastic relationship outside of a massive money issue, broke up. Everyone thought they were going to get married and I couldn't advise them differently because they could not see eye to eye financially at all. I was, what strikes me when you talk about that is that something that people don't think about, but we talk about on Love and Life all the time, is that it's values. And so it's a values mismatch. And they can both be good values. Some people, like you said, how generous they want to be, how much philanthropic giving they want to do, that's a lovely value. 
But it's also a value to say, hey, we got to take care of our own needs and save some for a rainy day or for the future when we retire. That's also a strong, positive value. So it's hard when two strong, good values are at odds. And that was the case with this couple. It was very similar to what Veronica was inferring earlier. The man's identity was in his good profession. He works hard and he wants to spend a little bit of it, buy his new tools, get his things moving. Still took care of all his bills, didn't have massive debt, but she came from a background of you save everything and you don't spend anything outside of full disclosure conversation. I'm talking about a coffee in the morning. I'm not even talking about a big purchase. So they just really wrestled through and I could see the relationship starting to spread away from each other just through that very option. I think it was the right decision not to get married. That's tough when you have different ideas of where you want to spend. And like you said, Karen, there's no good or better or right or wrong place to spend your money, not spend your money. Obviously, it's like good to pay your bills, keep the lights yes. on, pay taxes, yeah, <laughs> all those kind of things. <laughs> so you don't wind up in jail. But beyond that, and this is why I say, I think you can start having money conversations really from day one, the first date. I think if you're starting to have money conversations once you get more serious or like even, oh my gosh, if you after you move in together or get married, then like, you're just engaging in some risky behavior because you never know. You might find, oh, wow, we manage our money. We think of money. We relate to money in completely different ways. And sometimes it might just be incompatible. I'm not saying on your first date, you should like bring your pay stub and have them bring their pay stub and your credit <laughs> score and all those things. <laughs> I mean, to each their own, if that works for you, might be a little off-putting to the other person. But even just a conversation around, like, hey, how do you want to think about divvy- divvying things up? Or a lot of times in dating, people are spending a little bit more money than they normally would maybe going out. A couple that's already established might be spending more time cooking together at home or going on walks or a hike or whatever, whereas new couples might be going out to dinner or concerts or whatever. So just have a conversation. Like, how do you feel about what we're spending now? Does it feel okay to you? Would you like to cut back? Are you okay spending more or whatever? And these are conversations about things that are relevant for the relationship, but also they speak to, are these, are our habits and values compatible or not? They don't have to be exactly the same, but they certainly need to be compatible. And those kind of conversations are pretty accessible, again, even from very early on in a relationship. And that compatibility has to include acceptance of the other person's values, even if they're not yours. And as long as they're not criminal, dangerous, or at such extreme (laughs) risk, I'm with another couple right now that's doing fantastic. They're in recovery. I do a lot of recovery marriage work, Veronica, as well as the premarital engagement work. And there was a large amount of debt incurred through gambling, which was completely outside of the wife's knowledge. And so when it came forward, it was a shock. He had always been good with money and wise with his money. So all this was secretive. And so when it came forward, you got to see really quickly a couple that did align financially, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of acceptance. Let's go after this. Let's tackle this. And they're doing fantastic in their recovery. Debt consolidation, all the things you probably teach and preach in your practice, Veronica. And I can say honestly, and they're going to come on the show, Karen, sometime soon and be a testimony that they are actually better now in this stage of marriage recovery than their marriage has ever been. Once again, a crisis is an opportunity for growth and change and deeper intimacy. They have a level of connection now and authenticity with each other 
that wasn't possible, obviously, when he was on the sneak with the gambling, but I don't blame him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who wants to be like, oh, so I'm having this habit or this pastime that's turning into a habit and potentially an addiction at this point. And it's interesting because from the research I saw, there was a lot of that hiding. And we've alluded to that mm -hmm. in the conversation so far, but a lot of that hiding, which of course gets back to that shame. But what do you guys recommend? We're talking about the progression and Veronica does not advise bringing your pace up to date number one. <laughs> But yeah, you need to start gathering information. Let's start very gently. We're not grilling each other. And I went on so many first dates, you guys both know, and Elliot lived through that with me, that those first dates can feel like a job interview sometimes. So you, you don't want to be interrogating someone about how they handle their money, though it's very important you ascertain that pretty soon to see if it's a match that's even worth progressing to even a committed dating relationship. How do you guys suggest that we begin to gather that information in a way that's not, again, interrogating somebody, but is still moving the needle in terms of the amount of information you're learning about this person? I have a couple of questions that I really like to pose. And honestly, like my husband and I will still have these conversations from time to time because they're fun and you never know what's going to come up. But one of the questions I like to ask is, what would you do if you won the lottery? Now, obviously, winning the lottery is super rare, but it can give an idea on what would they do with the money, right? It's a life-changing amount of money, so they can really reimagine selling everything and traveling around the world or starting a foundation or paying all their family members' debt or whatever. It doesn't matter. But it can give you some insight as to really their values around around money. And it's just a fun imagination yeah. exercise. And I generally like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I generally like to have these kind of conversations. Again, I continue to have these kind of conversations with my husband. But even when I was dating, I like to have them because I'm like, okay, can I see myself in that world that they're creating and vice versa? And then another question that feels similar, but and it is, but it's also not, is what would you do if you got an extra $5,000? And now $5,000 is still a lot of money, but it's not a life-changing amount of money in the sense that like someone's going to be able to retire or by the dream house or whatever, right? And so from there, I think you get a little bit more of a better sense of like, how do they practically think about money? Do they have any sense as to whether or not they would try to optimize that money? I'll take a little and I'll pay off some debt or I'll max out my Roth or whatever, I'll do this versus, oh, I would just go on a vacation and blow it <laughs> and have fun, go to Vegas. Right. I'm not saying that's a wrong answer, at least for me, I would be like, I don't know if that works for me or not. <laughs> yeah. But again, like it can just tell you a little bit about how they think about money, like the money they actually have, as opposed to a, a life-changing, enormous amount of money that a lottery would entail. So those are a couple questions that I really like, but I think just as long as you can just keep bringing up different conversations around, around money. If you're on a date and the waiter or whatever brings the bill instead of just like awkwardly staring at it, like freaking talk about it. <laughs> when you are deciding on a concert or a restaurant to go to, ask like, how do you feel about the prices of this? Like, would you rather go somewhere a little cheaper? And then if you continue to date, maybe you're planning a vacation together, talk about how you're divvying up those expenses. Would you rather stay in a higher end hotel or a budget option? Again, just having these conversations so that it becomes, it just feels normal and natural so that 
you know, having a relationship is only going to get more expensive and talk about bigger and bigger purchases like homes, cars, kids, college, all that kind of stuff. And so you just work your way up. And again, like if you are having those big money conversations and they're just some of the earliest money conversations you have, again, like it's just risky business. So just start small. Like what are you like we money affects your life every single day. Every day you're thinking about money, most likely because you're thinking about what to spend, what to not spend, what to cut, what to save, what to invest, whatever. And so just like how you might talk about, I don't know, what your coworker said at work with your partner, just talk about like the money that you're spending or not spending and just have it be like a normal part of life because in fact, money is a normal part of life. So I love those questions because they are very non-threatening. They're just getting to know you questions that no one would feel like, why is she trying to probe into my financial history. That's just a fun kind of hypothetical. But yeah, you're going to gain gather some very, I think, important information. Elliot, what do you do with your couples that come to you? Yeah, in the engagement phase, I'm doing essentially the same things Veronica's doing in a different kind of style. So it's very interesting just to ask the couples, hey, tell me each of you individually, how was money perceived in your family? How do you guys feel about money? Because that can give you a lot of interesting answers that's not always based on simply, well, I like to make it and save it or spend it or not spend it. And that is often a safer way to get that topic going because someone will say, my dad was great with money, but he's really tight and it frustrated me. And so that's why I like to spend a little bit more. And you can sometimes see the partner go, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) That gave them some insight immediately. Mm -hmm. And then I I have lots of documents, value documents and power and balance documents that do the very things Veronica's talking about. So the very question, like, what would you do if you had an extra $1,500? And then I make them choose things, Veronica, to talk about together. So it has different angles of, would you pay off debt? Would you get a fancy present? It gives them like four or five options and then helps you talk about the philosophies of money, which often are different than our values even. And everything she said, I love it. And we'll incorporate some of that as well. And just trying to get the topic talked about, it it somehow has this magic power that we're afraid to talk about money and uh, getting into in early and often in the premarital engagement stage is hugely important. I love the talking about money, like when you were growing up, I think that's really important because we will often relate to money the same way that our parents did or we'll rebel. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Against it. So it's either like the same or the exact opposite, I've noticed. So true. And it just gives a lot of insight as to what 
your habits might be or your partner's habits might be, especially if you're in a tight situation or a stressful situation. It's just good to know that so you can know what, you know, what your instincts might be, what their instincts might be. And then if you know that they might be at odds, <laughs> you can have a plan to deal with that beforehand so that it doesn't devolve into. And when there's divorces and second marriages involved, boy, that adds another huge layer of finances and what's going to your other kids and what's going to your ex and why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? There's just a lot of, it gets more and more complicated when secondary and third arrangements, partnerships get involved. I like the question, how do you feel about money? Because that again, like you said, there's a philosophy, there may be values that would be revealed, even to the person themselves. Maybe they've never thought about that. What do I feel in my gut about money? People, will, you'll learn their worldview. Money is something that easy come, easy go. Or money is something I can always, you can always make more money. You can't make more time, but you can make more money. Or money is always hard to come by. Or money is something that our family never had. If you're interested in processing further as you align your mind, body, and spirit, we're here for you. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with us tab. There you can book individual or couples sessions. Or sign up for one of our support groups. Purchase one session or a multiple session package. We'd love to work with you. Sign up at loveandlifemedia.com. Can you tell us, Veronica, a little bit of a pragmatic look at how you coach those couples or the individuals that come to you for help? Yeah, so I don't coach couples. I have only coached mostly women, probably 90% women. It really depends on what the exact situation is. But like, ultimately, like what it boils down to is one, like what you were saying before, Elliot, is making sure you have your own relationship with money in a good place. And then making sure you have a, like your own solid money system. So there's like the internal piece and then there's like the practical external piece. I don't think it means that you have to have like your house bought and all your debt paid off and making all the money you want to make and all those kind of things. Cause those things can be gradual and they can change and they can whatever. But I do think that you have to have a relatively good relationship. I say relatively because, you know, nothing's perfect. But if you struggle to talk about money or if you struggle with your relationship with money or if you struggle with scarcity or who am I to have this money or money is evil and so then you like sabotage it or just spend it the second you get it or whatever the pattern and the belief, you know, that goes with it is, that's probably going to either show up in your relationship and then cause problems or it's going to leave you susceptible to financial control, financial abuse, or or at the very least like financial gaslighting. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. That's not romantic. That kills the vibes or whatever. And so when you're when you feel really confident with your relationship with money, I'm not saying the money you have or don't have, but just the relationship with money and what it is and how it can be a tool to enhance the life that you want, then it's much easier to ask those questions that we were talking about like how did you or what was money talked about or how was money talked about in your home growing up or what would you do if you won the lottery what would you do if you won five thousand dollars those are pretty simple questions but if money is just super super uncomfortable for you then like they're going to be really challenging to ask so that will be the first piece and again like that will be really similar often to my client's relationship with men or just the person they're dating as a whole oh am i good enough for him or is he out of my league very similar questions to, do I deserve to be paid that much? (laughs) 
is it greedy to ask for a raise or whatever it is? And then the practical piece, again, I don't believe you need to like have your own home or have all your debt paid off or whatever, but you do need to have a well-oiled money system, meaning like you need to have a plan with your money. I call it every penny with a purpose, whether you're spending that penny, saving that penny, investing that penny, or giving away that penny, you need to know where it's going and why, and feel really good about that. So that you can really begin to see money as simply a tool that's neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just like a hammer, right? A hammer can build a house. You can kill someone with a hammer, right? And so money itself is the same thing. So are you using that money to invest for your future? Are you using that money to save for a car so that you can get to work or because you're just a car person and you love cars? Or are you spending that money right now because there's a new restaurant in town and you're a foodie and you want to go check out the new chef or whatever? It doesn't matter. But the point is that you need to have a flow and know like where your money's going and not constantly be feeling guilty around spending that money on the restaurant because that means you're not investing for this or saving for that. But you just have a system of where you know everything is going and that everything is taken care of. Those two things in place, like the internal and the external, puts you in a really good spot to then overlap or merge your finances with someone else. And when you are good with your money, both inside and out, it makes it so much easier to spot we'll just call it (laughs) ill-fitting people either because they don't have their money stuff in order like internally or externally. To me, like that would have just been the biggest turnoff because I was really good with money, both internal and external while I was throughout dating, but especially when I met my husband. And so we have very different ways in which we manage our money, but like over, but our values are overlapping and the trust is there and the open and honest conversations are there. And again, that's what's most important rather than having a plan to wait on the man or whatever it is, or all these other things that can just get people, especially women into trouble in relationships. I, again, it's just, it just strikes me how, as you talked about Veronica, money is just it's neutral in and of itself, but it's so loaded with those values and beliefs yeah. that, yeah, it's such a, it's really imperative to understand yourself and your relationship with money. And then whether, again, that's going to be a strong fit with the person you're seeing and then eventually considering marrying, or if it's an ill fit, like you said. In my work, Veronica, there's, I, I work with a lot of Christians and a lot of very spiritual couples, pastors and pastors' wives that come to me for different help. And sometimes, the pastor, the husband often will use the ghost lighting in a spiritual way. And then I have to remind them that Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven. So even the Lord (laughs) was talking about money quite a bit. And Paul's got the great verse where he says, it's not money, it's the love of money. That's the root of the evil, not money. Money is necessary. Money can be a tremendous blessing. And I do studies and teaching in abnormal psychology here at Judson. And We did this survey on happiness for my students related on what was in the research. And all of them put the answer false on this true and false survey about does making a lot of money make you happy? They all wanted it to be not true, but it is true. Yeah. (laughs) When you make more money, you are happier. So there's these beliefs and this cultural thing like you can't talk about money is somehow not spiritual, which is totally not true, or somehow that making a lot of money and being wise with it and smart with it will actually make you happier, will help you individually. And then of course, with a right fitting partner, make the couple work also. 
Yeah. The thing about money being neutral, this is an ironic thing. I, my, so my husband works for the government. He worked for the Bureau of Engraving and Printing where they print like cash, like bills. And now he works for the Mint where they make coins. And so he's always made money. And that was like, that was like the joke that I told my dad when I first started dating him. I was like, oh, don't worry, dad. He makes money. Very literally. (laughs) Anyways, my point is that literally money, money is neutral, but literally it's all made up. It's literally print printed like down the street from where I am. And I think that's not to say that the value that either you or society places on a certain amount of money or doesn't place on a certain amount of money isn't real because those feelings and the shame and the embarrassment or the pride or whatever those feelings are, can, are certainly real and certainly can have real ramifications. But I think just remembering to back up a little bit like, oh, it's just a number. It's just a this. How can I grow it? How can I do this with it? How can I use it for good? How can I use it to create security in my life? And I think that's where a lot of the happiness does come from. I really detest and part of the reason why I wanted to get into the financial space is that some of the financial advice out there drives me freaking bonkers because I do think it's gaslighting. <laughs> I can't tell you how many financial advisors or experts or whatever out there are telling you to like how to slash your grocery budget and how to do this and how to save more here and how to like pinch pennies there. And look, I'm not like against saving money when it makes sense. I'm not against, I'm, I don't advocate like just spending money willy nilly and like wasting it and paying for the most inter- expensive internet package. When it's not what you need. I'm not saying you should do that. But at the same time, if you have more money, it makes it easier to spend money, save more money and invest more money. And that's just math. And so it is true that I know there's like a cap, I don't remember what the exact number is of like where it's a diminishing return. But when you have more money and you're able to then provide yourself more security through emergencies or potential job losses or health scares or retirement or whatever it is, you're going to feel probably less anxious and less stressed. And when you feel less stressed and less anxious, I don't think you have to be a psychologist to say, you'll probably be a little bit happier. And I think it's okay to really own that, not just in your life, but like advocating for yourself when you're talking about money with your partner or money with your employer in terms of needing or wanting more or better benefits or whatever it is. I think it's okay to own that. I love the financial freedom you're teaching. Yeah. Right. To be good with it, to be smart with it, to be frugal with it, but also to be free so that you're not being owned by something you're actually has a strength. Yeah. And so sometimes, yes, I have to encourage couples Hey, you're working really hard. Now set aside a tiny bit and just have fun together. Don't just be so stressed, so worked up about the particular debt you're trying to pay off quickly that you actually lose fun and lose a connection with your partner and you get through all this headache and then you divorce anyway because you, <laughs> you, you stopped having fun together. All you were doing is pouring to pay off bills. And so I love that yeah. you're advocating for them to be holistic about it. Yeah. The, and the analogy from when I was a dieter for a very long time, I mostly with like calorie restriction or don't eat sugar, don't eat that or whatever for a long time. Starting when I was pretty young, probably like around the same time I was babysitting. And, um, and I just remember, oh, if I told myself I was going to eat carbs or only a certain amount of calories a day, like all I wanted to do then was like eat all the carbs or I had gotten my calorie allotment by noon. And then I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And so when you restrict yourself, like at some point you're going to to binge probably a lot more than you normally would have. And I think it's a similar thing with money. And it's part of also what drove me to get into the space. And 
what drives me crazy about some of the other advice out there. It's like, even Susie Orman, who I love, but I learned, I've learned a lot from, she has this video that has a bazillion views where it's like, ask yourself before you spend something, is it a need or is it a want? As if purchasing something that's a want is bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you don't enjoy your money or allow yourself to enjoy your money, even if it's $5, it doesn't matter what the amount is. It could be 5,000. It could be $5. It doesn't matter. But if you don't allow yourself to enjoy that, then like at some point you're probably going to blow a lot more money than you normally would, would have. And it wouldn't, it won't be intentional and may or may not have been like the best way to enjoy and spend your money. And so it's much better to have once built in to the money you do have and your budget so that you can enjoy it. And then you're much, much less likely to then like metaphorically eat the whole bowl of cookies. <laughs> yeah, definitely some overlap there with the freedom within discipline, but there's got to be the freedom mm -hmm. within the discipline. If the discipline is so restrictive that you lose all zest for life. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you don't enjoy your hard work, you're going to stop doing the hard work eventually. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. And to reward yourself for the progress, yeah. not just the final goal, whatever that is, but to give you yourself incremental And to talk through that as a couple, imagine. if we're talking marriage or partnership as well, so that my wife fully knows now for 34 years together that I'm going to reward myself with some custard or some ice cream. That is just going to be, <laughs> if I busted my tail and we met a goal or paid something off, I am going to Culver's. <laughs> I'm getting a mixer now. I'm not going out and buying a car without telling her. So it's, yeah. there's some freedom within our system. She has a very tight system that I've totally yielded to and reaped great rewards from it. I'm pretty good with money as well. But like you, Veronica, she's really systemic and has it all locked in her head easily. Yeah. For me, it's a little bit of work, but we've learned as a couple, how do we talk about it? Yeah. And how do we find some freedom based on my more spontaneous outgoing side of my personality compared to her more reserved introverted? But when you talk about it and work through it, then the reward and the joy of, hey, I'm going to custard can be celebrated by both of us. Yeah. Even if she chooses yeah. not to spend at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And that's really the, I think, a big part of the secret. Like I, I get asked a lot, do you think we should keep our, our money separate or combined? And I say, whatever works for you is what works for you. What's important is that you have a system that does not breed resentment and that is open and transparent and you talk about it. I've seen both or like a combo of the two where there's some combined and some separate accounts. And I think that's great. Our satisfaction and joy in life is directly related to our satisfaction and joy in our relationships. Elliot and I are here to help. We'd love to design a workshop, seminar, or weekend retreat for your organization. We'll bring the psych research, of course, along with over 60 years of combined experience in psychotherapy. We'll share science-based therapeutic techniques within the context of a Christian worldview. We can level up in our relationships. Contact our producer, Tim May, at tim at loveandlifemedia.com to book us. I use a lot of alliterations and acronyms in my work, and mm. I think you'll like this one, Veronica. I, I talk about the three Fs, and it's not the F word that often <laughs> comes in marriage when we talk about money. <laughs> it's functionality, faith, and fun. Mm. And how we handle all those. It's not just a money thing for me, but those three F's are really important. And I think what you're talking about is too many couples, at least in my work, have the faith part because they tend to be spiritual people that are coming through church or Judson Connections. 
they've lost a lot of fun, but their functionality systemics about raising kids or about handling their money or about time issues is just a disaster. Yeah. And trying to teach them brass facts, functionality, how do you build a better systemic and money is obviously a huge part of that can lead to more fun and faith again. So I think totally. we're speaking the same language from a little different perspective, but I just want to yeah. give you those Fs that. I always liken it to like the tango or some other kind of like complicated dance that I can't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't know where to put your foot, you're stepping on each other's toes all the time when you're tripping and you're having just not a great time. But if you know exactly what to do and your partner knows exactly where it's, where to go or where not to go, then you're going to create this like really beautiful movement between these two, two bodies. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Like, I, I think sometimes people hear boundaries or budgets or things like that. They're like, oh, restriction. And they just like, mm-hmm. no. But I think that those things actually create the most amount of freedom, right? Because if you didn't have like, the system with your wife and you were like going off to buy like ice cream or whatever spontaneous thing is, you'd probably be having a lot of fights about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead, she has one way that she likes to deal with money. You have another way that's more spontaneous, but like the system is has some spontaneity built in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everyone knows where they can step. And it's this beautiful thing now. Yeah. And the dance piece too, back to what you referred to or inferred to earlier, if both partners aren't willing to yield to each other in value, acceptance, understanding, faith, function, and fun, it's not really a dance. And so I teach just like you do, Veronica, that I'm totally fine as a marriage therapist. If one person's handling all the money or if they're doing it together or if they have separate accounts, it doesn't matter to me what makes it work, what builds intimacy, what builds connection, trust and partnership and what's effective. Yeah. Because if they come to me like they're coming to you and their current system, they love it, but they're hundred grand in debt and they're fighting about it all the time, well, then the system, something's not right. Something's yeah. not working. So we're going to have to <laughs> reconsider and possibly even blow it up. Yeah. And sometimes that'll mean changing from mutual to one or from mutual to separate or separate to mutual, but Again, having those conversations are so important and being willing to walk in them so you can dance, whether it's a tango or a waltz. Yeah, as we wrap up, let's talk to someone who is in a relationship and recognizes that it's not working, the financial element. And in particular, I'm thinking about, you brought it up earlier, Elliot, the power that's associated with the person who holds the financial card, so to speak. How do we move through that? And I know you also referred to a couple who decided we shouldn't even get married because we were realizing our styles are incompatible. And Veronica mentioned that as well. That's an ill fit. And it's best if we part ways so that we don't fight about this for the rest of our lives. But what if they're already married or already deeply committed and want to make it work, but they are recognizing that the power is being wielded by their partner, by the partner's values being the predominant decision makers in the relationship as it relates to money? In terms of like the individual level, I think it still comes back down to what is your money story and how do you relate to money? Because if money is deeply uncomfortable, or again, you have any of those old adages like money's a growing cheese, money's the root of all evil, money's this, money's that, then that's probably still going to be showing up in how you are trying to resolve this conflict. And there's probably some inner money work to do around getting to a place where money is just neutral and it's and it can be used as a tool, both a good and a bad tool to help repair the marriage and the family. I would say that if both parties are on board to wanting to resolve this, like I'm no marriage counselor, but my guess is that's probably a pretty good sign as opposed to 
one partner feeling like the imbalance, the other partner's like, it's fine. (laughs) That to me feels a little bit more problematic, but that doesn't mean that it's not helpful for at least you, if not both partners to work on their own money stuff and then come together and say, okay, where can we find the overlap and where both of our needs are, needs are met. Yeah. I think in the advantage of being a marriage therapist, when a couple comes in for help is it feels a little more free, even if they present one identifying issue for me to jump in and check out the finances, because there's going to be something there usually. And to ask those questions again about feeling our connection or how's the power balance, how's the debt ratio and just get the reality that the truth needs to be known. Let's talk about the truth, even about <laughs> hey. sometimes a lot of men or women, whoever's in the kind of one down position in the marital dynamic can say in front of somebody else with their partner, I don't feel this is fair or they didn't feel free to do that right. separately because of right. dominance or gaslighting or control mechanisms. And so just trying to help those truths get out, face the reality of it. Again, that brass tax thing, which I'm sure Veronica does in very similar well, let's look at how everything is, see where it is. And is this effective or not? If it's not effective, what are we going to do for a little bit of change, a little bit of growth, a little bit of forgiveness, acceptance, or that consolidation, whatever we have to do, just trying to face the truth of our finances, how we feel, how we perceive, how we believe, and then how that works in a partnership or is not working in a partnership. And Veronica just put it so succinctly that you are dealing with money every single day of your life. You're just, you just are. And that's just a reality. It's like gravity. You can say, I don't like gravity, but it's there. <laughs> and it's wielding its influence. <laughs> and often in couples, I think one of the partners is automatically going to carry the visual lens of money for their relationship. Because you have to. Somebody has to. Yeah. But it's best if you can do it in some kind of shared capacity. So I take my roles. I'm just going to work as much as I can, as hard as I can, bring as much money as I can, and let my wife, who's very gifted in the systemic organize it, orchestrate. Then we talk together about the big things and what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. So yeah, she holds the power in the systemic. I hold the power maybe in the extra work amount that brings in more money and income. And then we together make those universal decisions. But that took a while for us, Veronica, to get into a rhythm. It took at least seven, eight, nine years to really get a rhythm. A lot of couples give up. They just quit talking and quit sharing and quit facing the truth. Yeah. I think there's misunderstanding that we have to figure out our system and then that's it. But it's not anything written in stone. It's I like to revisit our system and just our plan for it about every quarter or so because things change. The amount of money you're bringing in changes. You might have a kid. You might bring in a car. You might buy another home or a new home or whatever. And things are going to change your finances all the time. And that will then change the system that you create. And it's not so much about having the system that works forever and always because I don't even know if that system (laughs) exists. But just like having... Again, going back to the business analogy, have quarterly meetings. <laughs> yeah. And because you enjoy yeah. that, and my wife enjoys that, encouraging each other to do those things. Yeah. Because I can see in your eyes that you have fun, actually, when you do that. You're oh, yeah. I love it. You're enjoying yeah. the process. You do. I love yeah, it. I'm light up. It. You totally light up. It is. It's the, to bring it home, it, we, a partnership, a marriage is a small business, essentially. It you is. are your little, little your LC or whatever you're going to incorporate yourself as. And in order for that business to thrive and to be fun and to dance, as we've talked about, to have that dance element to the partnership, it's important to get this stuff nailed down and to where, again, it can be free and fun 
as Elliot mentioned as well. Veronica, where can listeners find more about you and your work? There's a few places. I have a money checklist because I know one thing that people I or hear from a lot is, I want to do this, I want to do that. I don't know what to do first or how to do both or how to prioritize both. I have a money checklist that just takes you through what to do first, second, third, and you just check things off as you go along. And you can download that at veronicagrant.com forward slash checklist. And then I am posting mostly daily little money tips and lessons over on both Instagram and TikTok now, which is super fun. I'm new on TikTok, but it's super fun. (laughs) And my name at both of those places is Veronica E. Grant. Great. Thanks again for joining us today. Yes. Thank you, Veronica. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, as always, for sharing a portion of your day with us. We hope that you feel encouraged and empowered by knowing more about how money and finances impact relationships. Feel free to reach out with any concerns that are on your heart and mind. We're here to help us all align our mind, body, and spirit for empowered relationships. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abram. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.